Hello everyone. We're going to be taking a look today in summary of our class from October 9th, Revelation class from October 9th, and in doing that we're going to be taking a close look at Revelation chapter 17. So I'm going to give you a moment uh, to read that and to pause, uh, pause, just pause this podcast, read it, and then start back up again, and we're going to dive into a couple of characters that you will find there. Okay, we're back. Um, as we begin, wanted to once again give you kind of the, the main source material I used for this study. Um, we, I used Robert, uh, Robert Morse uh, again and his commentary on Revelation as well as uh, a work, an essay by Brian Lowry. Now, we're going to be looking specifically today at the two characters in Revelation 17, um, the beast and the harlot. Uh, we'll start with the beast because when the angel gave his interpretation to the apostle John, he started with the beast. So that's where we will start. Now, about this beast, uh, there is an exist. The, the description we get of the beast in Revelation 17 is a word for word. It is the same as the description found in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, where the beast is introduced. And the thing we need to keep in mind um, when it comes to the beast or the other beast that we found in Revelation 13, or the, the harlot, um, there's always a main antagonist in the background, and that is the dragon. Um, and the dragon, is, the beast and the harlot, we don't, uh, now the harlot is labeled Babylon, we'll get into that a little bit more, but the beast is never given a label, um, and so there's always different interpretations of who the beast is. Uh, the dragon, though, uh, the dragon is always Satan. Uh, the that was made very clear to us in um, in by the Apostle John. So that's one thing to keep in mind that when we read about the beast, we read about the harlot. Always in the background, um, the dragon is is pulling the strings. All right, now let's let's take a look at the beast. I'm going to have you look at one more passage of scripture. Um, that, that really sheds some light on this. And that passage of Scripture is from the Old Testament. Um, it's the prophet Daniel. And Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 through 7. If you could take just a moment, and I'll give you some time to read that, um, that would be a great thing. So again, Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 through 7. I'll give you some time. Okay, we're back. Um, now, the interesting thing is, when we see Daniel 7, you will see that all four of the beasts mentioned in Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7 play a role in this beast. It's like all four of those beasts kind of put together uh, makes the, the, the beast that we're referring to here in Revelation 17. The point of the beast is this, and we need to keep this in the back of our mind at all times, um, because the beast has an earthly purpose, and the beast is, is always an evil kingdom or kingdom setting itself up against God's kingdom. Um, that is something very much that we need to remember. Now... As we look through the beast and we see some different things, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail in this summary. We dove into it some in class about the seven heads, um, about the ten horns. We're not going to deal a lot of time with that today just because we don't have the time to do that. But I will tell you this, um, the seven heads as well as the ten horns seem to point 
um, on a level to Rome. And the first century reader of this of this revelation would definitely be thinking of Rome when it came to the beast. Um, Rome was very much, by this time, had set itself up against the Christians. Um, believers were charged with everything from atheism to cannibalism to incest. Um, and you can probably, if you think about it a little bit, understand the reason for those charges against Christians. Atheism, because Rome was a polytheist, polytheistic society, and they worshipped the gods through sacrifice and through many types of ritual and some immoral rituals as well. And the Christians did not participate in those, so they were labeled atheists. They were labeled cannibals, because of the Lord's Supper. Um, what the Lord's Supper is was completely um, misinterpreted and misrepresented misrepresented by the Romans, um, and they thought of them as eating, actually eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. Also incest, because there's a strong love within the family of Christ, within the church. And they took this and they misinterpreted it into incestual relationships. So, as we've talked about, even through our Hebrew study on Sunday mornings, it had most definitely become a time of strong persecution by the time that the the, the revelation of John came about. Um, now, the question we have to ask ourselves when it comes to this beast, it most definitely, um, again, in the mind of the first century reader and looking back, it, it had a lot to do with Rome. But is the beast only Rome? Now, we're going to get jump into um, the character, the harlot, here just pretty soon. And the harlot is given the name in Revelation 17 that she has on her forehead of Babylon. Now, the interesting thing is more about her in a second. But it's pretty obvious that John applied Babylon, as we will see soon, to Rome. So the question is, can we not do the same and apply the beast to something bigger than Rome? Um I think the thing that we will come away with, and this, this comes a lot from Brian Lowry, but it's not completely original with him. Um, there are many who have, who have fallen in line with this view of interpretation, that, that the beast is the servant, the political servant of the dragon. Um, and what that means, in, in the Old Testament, the political servant of the dragon was Babylon. In the New Testament, especially in this period of time, that servant of the dragon was Rome. As we've said, the dragon is always behind the scenes pulling the strings. Now the question is, today or in the centuries before us, has it been other kingdoms, other nations that set themselves up against God's people here on earth? This is what we have to understand. As long as the dragon is still around, and Satan, yes, he is still around, the beast's will be around too. Uh, now, let's move on to the harlot. First of all, something we need to understand about the harlot or the prostitute, perhaps your Bible um, labeled her the prostitute. Um, when we think of prostitution, our minds immediately go to sexual immorality. They go to someone who is selling themselves, their body, uh, for money. But prostitution has a deeper meaning than that, especially in the Old Testament. And remember, Revelation has a lot of Old Testament, um, not just quotes, but a whole lot of Old Testament themes within it. And in particular, in the Old Testament, two nations were labeled as harlots. One was the nation of Tyre, and the other was the, the, the city of Tyre, and the other one was the city of Nineveh. Um, now, this is the definition of a city that is a prostitute in the Old Testament. 
Um, it is a nation or city that woo other cities or nations into political and religious relationships. That is very important. We're going to talk quite a bit about that. Um, and when they lure these cities or these nations in, never for the ultimate good of those cities. They lure them in every time to take advantage of them. Now, in the Old Testament, there was Tyre. Um, there was even Sid- There was even Sodom. There was Sidon um, as well as Nineveh. There there were some evil places in the Old Testament, but none of them held a candle to Babylon. So now we, we, we jump to the harlot here, and what we find out about um, the harlot, we get some we get some descriptions of her. First of all, many waters, which Man, that is a, a definite picture of Babylon. Um, Babylon is still known as uh, uh, one of the ancient seven wonders of the world and the beauty of that city and how they pulled water from the Euphrates River and, and, and had canals throughout the city, um, a city of, of many waters. And this, this, this harlot sat, she, she stood, she sat on many waters. Um, that Euphrates River was used more than just to make the city beautiful, though. It made... It made Babylon a trade giant. A it, if you wanted to be powerful in trade in that day and in that time as a nation, you had to work through or with Babylon. That's the way it was. And Babylon was also a place of extravagant wealth and influence. And the point of that is Babylon would use this economic power to seduce the nations around it. Um, economic seduction. Now, here's the thing. Um, This harlot is not just Babylon. John is taking that harlot and applying her to the beast. She has this connection with the beast. And once again, we have to put ourselves in the mindset of the first century reader of Revelation. And they're going to go to Rome. And there's good reason for that. Rome, just just for an example, Rome had trade guilds. Now, if you wanted to be successful economically as a business person, you needed, and you were in a province of Rome, you needed to be a part of one of these trade guilds. And members of these trade guilds, they they were required to, and I'm doing this in quotes, you can't see it, but fornicate with Roman gods and goddesses. And what that means is, 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 is worship them. And there were great banquets um, that were set up at these trade guilds. Um, food and drink were offered in honor of the goddesses and the deities and you had to be a part of this if you're going to prosper economically or your business was going to prosper and a refusal of membership into that trade guild would very much equal uh, bankruptcy economically as well as socially. So Rome was, was using its great wealth and its its ability, whereas whereas Babylon had the Euphrates River, Rome had not only uh, the, um, I believe, the Tigris River. I'm not positive about that. My geography is not the best. But they also had an incredible road system that spanned a, a lot of the known world. And they were a trade giant. So in the Old Testament, this, this harlot was Babylon. That's very clear. In the New Testament, once again, this this harlot is equated, named Babylon, but is equated to Rome. Today, who would that be? Um, the harlot, whereas 
The beast was more of a political servant of the dragon. The harlot is a cultural, economic, religious servant of the dragon. So in other words, Old Testament, the harlot Babylon. New Testament, the harlot Rome. Who is that harlot today? Now, taking a look at those characters, we must take a look at the fact when we get close to the end of chapter 17, and it's just kind of a summary, and we'll get more details in chapter 18, but of the victory of the lamb over the beast and over the harlot. Um, specifically, it's going to talk about the harlot. It's, it, is, it is crazy. If you look through verses 15 and through 17 of, of Romans chapter 17, you see that even the beast and the evil kingdoms turning on the harlot um, and, and destroying her. You see, evil always has a way of cannibalizing itself. And it is very much encouraging us encouraging to us to to know and to understand that the lamb has and will overcome not only the harlot but the beast and ultimately the dragon um now one thing that we probably ought to pull from this as far as just practical things something we can be encouraged by in this not just the victory of the lamb but in in revelation 18 4 again chapter 18 is kind of an expanded version of the downfall of the harlot babylon and what we see there is that the apostle john calls the people of god to be set apart from these servants of the dragon, from these these evil nations, and to not be a part of them, to be set apart, to be different. We are called always in our cultures to be different from the world around us um, for a variety of reasons, um, so that the world can see a difference in us, so that they might want to leave that evil and come and be a part of the kingdom of God. But even even just as importantly as that, so that we can remain faithful to our God. Um, so that is the, the not only the encouragement, but as well as the challenge laid before us in Revelation 17. Now, tomorrow night, which will be October 16th, uh, we are going to open up Revelation 20. And if you don't know what's there, open it up and read it. And you're going to find out why we are going to spend a significant number of weeks um, for the foreseeable future in Revelation 20 and trying to come at it from several different angles. Um, And I I won't ruin the surprise. Just look there and you'll probably understand just exactly what we're going to take a look at for these next few weeks. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you tomorrow night.